Station 31. You read me? We found something in the ice. We need some help down here. Can anybody hear me? We found something. We found something. We found something. Hello and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 70, recorded July 2nd, 2022. I'm Tim. And I'm Andrew. And we are continuing our summer series on uh, past summer movies. Mm-hmm. Movies of future past. Yeah. Right, yes. And today we're going to be talking about a, uh, a seminal horror classic, 1982's The Thing. Science fiction horror classic, thank you very kindly. True, um, true. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, yeah. When I shelved it back when I worked at the video store, it actually, we had, uh, I believe we had two copies. <laughs> one for the sci-fi and one for the horror. Yeah, um. which... <laughs> Yep, which is better than you know sci-fi and horror all being lumped together like they often were, or or when it just became action adventure and comedy. Yeah, yeah. yep, that was the worst. So, so yes, we are going to be talking about specifically John Carpenter's, Carpenter's thing, the thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, from released June twenty fifth in nineteen eighty two, and uh, M Night Shyamalan's Signs from twenty years later in the summer of two thousand two. Correct. So this is our. Generally, for the most part, one location alien invasion movie. <laughs> Double feature. They're both invasions, though one's a much different kind of invasion than the other. Yeah. Um, one yeah. might one would say the other one is worse. <laughs> Twelve men have just discovered something. For one hundred thousand years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside. Where no one can see it or hear it or feel it john carpenter's the thing a little bit of context here so this is a remake of the 1951 film the thing from another world based off the book who goes there by john w campbell um i have read the book this version of the the carpenter version is more more faithful to that book but it is you know there's still some differences i mean for one thing it doesn't take place in the 30s but another thing is that we the thing is kind of telepathic in the book which is a much bigger problem um but we don't have that in <laughs> in in this version so this was john carpenter's so he had already kind of made a name for himself well he kind of already established himself with a with um assault on precinct 13 and, a, and before he had done halloween but halloween was the movie that really got him big mm-hmm. and so he had really established himself pretty firmly at that point and he had just gone off the fog and he was able to make the thing a movie he had wanted to make for a little bit um he was able to get Universal to finance it and be the distributor of it. Now, the thing is, they had a different Alien movie that came out the week before. And yes, because the, the shadow of E.T. falls down through 1982 for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So this the thing ended up being a casualty to E.T. being is that um, I guess people wanted to be more optimistic about aliens coming than the other way. But so the thing is uh, about a bunch of science bros down in Antarctica. These are a number of scientists. They are at a outpost um they are studying just we're not really given an exact thing that there's yeah Yeah. it's they're they're studying effects of life forms and such in antarctica is sort of the thing we're given and they are all by themselves there are a big number of them and kurt russell is one of them he is kind of i wouldn't say he's not the leader at first um that's actually this other guy he was the captain and the ranking officer Mm. anyway so one day they are doing their thing when all of a sudden they hear a helicopter come and they see that the helicopter folks are shooting at a dog 
And they're like, what's going on with this? And through a series of weird things that happen, um, the helicopter crashes and explodes. And if we spoke Norwegian, we would have a total idea of what was going on. But most of us don't. Well, most Americans don't speak Norwegian. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And yep. because if we did, we would hear that we'd hear that the guy shooting at the dog would say, it's not a dog. It's imitating a dog. It's some kind of thing. And uh, yeah, if they'd heeded the warning, we'd have had a much different movie. So mm -hmm. anyway, this all happens. The pilot and the guy shooting at the dog die. And then they're like, okay, I guess we should check out what's going on at the Scandinavian outpost. Um, the dog is taken into the kennel. They go investigate what's going on at the, at the Norwegian post. And everyone is dead. Everyone is, uh, what they can find body-wise is very gross looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so they take those things over. And I should, yeah, thing is the correct term here. Um, but yes, they take these monstrosities and grotesqueries back to the lab for them to study. At some point, it's determined that, yes, there is some kind of alien entity that is able to fully imitate, fully imitate a host and take over. Mm -hmm. You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms and it imitates them perfectly. When this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them absorb them and in the process shape its own cells to imitate them eventually it all gets it gets all of them until that we are left with just kurt russell and keith david neither of whom know who who isn't the thing and so we go to credits with him just sitting there just waiting to see what happens yep. drinking whiskey maybe neither maybe both don't know yeah yeah just drinking whiskey by the burning wreckage so yeah that's uh the quick and dirty version of the thing and, uh, yeah, I am of the opinion that, that I don't know who is and who isn't the thing there. I think it's more interesting if one of them is the thing, but it's also kind of just as interesting if neither of them are. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very bleak movie. It's very pessimistic. Um, especially when you're comparing it to E.T., um, which oh, also yeah. came out that same month. So June 1982 was a, was a big month for nerd. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> So this was your first time watching this, Tim. So did it live up to the hype for you? So yes and no. You know, big big caveat here. I I feel like this would have hit me a lot more, you know, and and much harder if I had seen it when I was much younger. You know, at, at this point, you know, I'm kind of approaching middle age. I've seen a lot of movies. I'm a little cynical. Very little really surprises me in movies anymore. So it's like, yeah, very little actually surprised me about this. And I kind of knew the broad strokes going in because it's a movie that people talk about and have for 40 years. Yeah, it and, doesn't really. It's the Citizen yeah, Kane problem. It, it kind of is. Uh, may, maybe not to the same degree, but but yeah. So what it does, it does very well. And I did appreciate that. It's, you know, all its its practical effects you know, are, are super gnarly and, and gory, and those all still work really, really well. Yeah, it's still kind of considered the apex of practical effects, even yeah. 40 years later. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's there's some wild stuff here, and it's, it's like, you could do this, you know, today with, with computer graphics, and... Uh, it, oh, and it, it doesn't look as cool, because we no. have that movie, and it's not good. Yeah, and I... I yeah, I, I haven't seen that one and I'm even less inclined to now. So, you know, with, with all of that said, I I don't know. I, I didn't get as immersed in the the atmosphere. Like I didn't feel the the sort of existential dread that that these characters do. And I, I feel like some of that was due to 
to the pacing. There's a pretty regular cadence of you know, pyrotechnics and explosions and flamethrowers and, oh, yep, yep, another one bites the dust because there are like a dozen of them in a movie that's, you know, about two hours long. So there's there's not a whole... just under two hours yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a little under. Yeah. And so... I, I felt like I never really got a chance to to stew in in that dread. Like it it never left me. It's like ooh, it's 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 too quiet. Mm. And see for me, like I am basically from once the dog infects the other dogs or assimilates with the other or you know attacks the other dogs. I guess yeah. Um, when the thing things the dogs. Well, <laughs> we'll use that language. Like, I am in dread the whole time. Even when they're, like, um, and that, that never leaves, so I'm stewing the whole time. So even when there's an explosion and someone else gets it, I was like, oh, great, I'm feeling dreadful and something terrible is happening. Mm-hmm. So it still, it always gets to me. And, and I've seen this movie, like, at least five times. I think... It's interesting that it doesn't like work for you there because like I feel dreadful this whole movie. The idea of being assimilated and not being able to like like even if because we don't know necessarily if the thing doesn't work in cahoots with itself. We don't know if more mm-hmm. than one of them can, and I think more than one of them do get it because I think Wilfred Brimley's character when he's going a little bit crazy and they put him in the cabin, I think he's already infected at that point. And yeah, so and yeah. then other people are getting infected as well. And so I I mean, we don't know for sure if they work in separate or if it works together as a host. But just because one person's getting assimilated and they have to deal with the grossest stuff that's happening there doesn't mean that someone else in the room isn't at the same time. And so like that's that's the thing that always gets me each time. Like I have like there's dozens of videos that go around being like, well, this is when such and such gets it. This is when someone else gets thinged and like, that's cool. Whatever. Like I can get why people are into that. I'm not Um, (laughs) like it's a, it's much more compelling and scary for me to think that there's a good chance that Keith David has been a thing this whole time. That's something that that always gets to me and even works even on, on that level. But um, but I can see where where you're coming from. Um, like it all depends on how. I mean, dread is is uh is a very it's a thing that changes from person to person. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's all very subjective. You know what? what totally. What what scares one person isn't going to always work for another. And you know, like I said, I I think if I had seen this when I was younger, this this would have had more of an impact on me yeah. than it, it did now. I did see this in my twenties for the first time. I was house sitting a house by myself, and like today is the day I'm going to sit down and properly watch the thing. But I had already, like, I'd already been aware of everything. Like, I already, I already knew how it was going to end, how it was going to work. You know, I'd already seen the big, the big set pieces before mm. on just various, you know, horror things. So, but I don't know, it still worked for me. When I, uh, so when I think about, like, I don't really have a lot that doesn't work for me um, <laughs> in this. Um, there's only, like, a handful of times where the special effects look like special effects to me. Um, but, like, the particularly, like, w- when Norris gets, defi- Norris, I think, gets defibrillated and he is, his chest becomes a big mouth. Like, that's the only time that it really, like, looks like a, a, like a prop to me. Um, but I just watched this on, like, an early Blu-ray. So you saw this on 4K and <laughs> said that you found some other moments. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there were a few here and there where you can see it's like, okay, so right there is where they stopped the camera and, and replaced, you know, what whatever it was on set with, oh, yep, here's here's the prop that's going to do all the, the gory, nasty bits mm-hmm. and uh, and and some you know, a few little sequences that were actually done in stop motion and you can tell there's there's kind of that characteristic hitching motion to them and for the most part it's still really effective and yeah i i, I don't know i i think a lot of this is is just where i am personally right now and mm-hmm. and how it hit me you know if if i'd been in a, a place to immerse myself more in the movie and and you know put everything else really aside and hadn't kind of been worn down 
maybe this this would have hit me harder e- even so it's like, but you know the, the truth is even those it's like they, they still hold up really well and if you're not looking for them you know i, I was doing kind of the the meta thing it's like oh yep body count it's, yep there's mm. there's the running tally and, and that goes you know way back to you know you know uh elizabethan times yeah, yeah this, let's say that's, this, this was yeah. a deal in shakespeare it's like oh yep mm-hmm. there, there there goes another one you know you know mm-hmm. the audience the globe is, is counting how many people are dead in this play and mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of that here we've uh, so. we have we have audiences have always been have always had a bit of a bloodlust or a or goop lust in the case of this movie yep um, yep uh, <laughs> and there there's there is plenty of goo a lot, lot of a lot of goop a lot of a lot of just gross gelatin yeah <laughs> um, yeah <just> a, <laughs> Hey, you know how they did that? You know what that is? What? Melted plastic and microwave bubblegum. No way. Really? Really. Yeah, you want to hear something offensive? I think Rob Botton, the guy who did this, I think he was 22 or 24 when he did the effects for this. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, makes you makes you really think about your life. He's a, so he would he would go on uh, around this time. He also did the Howling, I think, and which is you know kind of the also ran werewolf movie of that time that has its following and people really like it. It's a Joe Dante movie, but it kind of gets up upstaged by American right, Werewolf yeah. in London, yeah. which is which is which is a better movie. Um, <laughs> but um, but they both have really good like special effects. Anyway, so special effects aside, the thing about the thing is I. <laughs> <laughs> is I feel like it's real easy to look into find and find other themes in it. So this assimilation thing also has a very body snatchers kind of feeling to it. And you were saying that the the in a comparison of paranoia that you feel like you feel the paranoia more in Kaufman's version than and now I'm a big fan of the Don Siegel version, but I, I'll admit the the paranoia is more effective in in the '70s version. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, expound I, on that. So yeah, the the paranoia thing. It's like you you really have no idea who to trust at all, and and sort of this this you know eerie quiet and and something's not quite right. You know, mm. That, that kind of keeps you just just a little unsettled. You know, mm-hmm. in 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 your innards the whole time, I I got a lot more of that and and the the paranoia in the seventies version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers than I did in in this movie. It's 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 there. That's definitely a layer. But I I think the the lack of of quiet sort of hurt that for me, Be- mm. because there's there's a lot of action. There there's a lot of flamethrowers and pyrotechnics and explosions mm. in this and, movie and and, and they, gross they monsters. Happen, yeah, yeah. And 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 that all happens pretty regularly. There's gross stuff that happens in the in the other body there, snatcher one. There yeah, is, there uh, is. how there, you get how you movies. get body snatched in that particular one is much grosser than yeah, than yeah. expected. But uh, you know, not as gross as, as this. Not as gross as this. No, this was not this was the half. apex of, <laughs> of of body horror for a lot of people as well. Um, I don't know if like I, it's when I think about movies that make me just grossed out about having a having a body and feeling weird mm. about it. It's like I don't know if it's this or uh, the Cronenberg version of The Fly that that gets to me more. I was gonna say, you know, take take your pick of Cronenberg movies for for body horror. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, Videodrome also has some stuff. So, but anyway. So I hear what you're saying about the paranoia thing, um, but it still works for me, but it's a different kind of paranoia. Whereas yeah, yeah. There's a, it's a much macro scale in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so that makes the stakes like worse in a sense, but in this micro level, it makes the stakes more intense, if I, if I can put it that way. Like, yeah, yeah. The, so like I'm 
paranoid for the, for the generalness of humanity invasion of the body snatchers and i kind of am with the thing too because we do get that yeah. computer readout that says like well if this thing gets out it's going to take a little over three years and get everybody but i don't have it so much there but because it's settled in such a small microcosm of things it makes that paranoia more intense for me when it's when it's everybody it's it's one thing but when it's the people around me that's what makes it kind of worse <laughs> um and i and i and i think this this is coming from me in a personal sense too mm-hmm. because of just the way how we i mean like i'm i'm not going to get too deep into this folks but i mean like just the way how the world is right now <laughs> um but i mean like the way that we have been you know kind of moving and how we and how our media kind of works with stuff is like, there's a lot of breeding of distrust between one another. And that's yeah. not a good thing. Um, and and I think so in a sense, this movie, I think is like, it's a little prescient and I think somehow got more relevant because of but, Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, and for that's the record, fear. I'm not, I don't think my neighbors are trying to kill me or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a paranoid person. I'm just saying that like, that's out there in the ether and you know, yeah. 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 No, and and that is certainly here, and it does work. I I just don't think it works as well for me because mm. they they spend too much time you know, going from one explosion to the next, and and there's a lot of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really have time to worry about being paranoid. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like oh, I'm I'm busy blowing this thing that's right in front of me up. Mm-hmm. That I, I can't be worried right now about what might be going on in the next room. Right. And I'm having like that. And this may be just be Andrew's ADD brain just being like, that's there on top of that for me. It is. It is. Yeah. Like, so, so that, like, that doesn't yeah. go away. It just makes that explosion even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, that's like, that's, that's still going to yeah. be there, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a minute or so, you know, once, mm-hmm. once this other, you know, thing has, has burned to the ground, but yep. Oof, how many times are we going to say thing out of the context of the thing or as a thing, as a a super idea or whatever? Why is any object we don't understand always called a thing? So maybe that's the difference between science fiction horror and a horror sci-fi film. Because like Body Snatchers is very much more a science fiction film than than this is yeah yeah and that's that's i mean they're both there's overlap here i would there's there's plenty yeah yeah there's there's a lot of science fiction elements here Mm -hmm. and but it's also that the horror thriller and Mm -hmm. well that's more of a like that's more of a science fiction film than uh more than 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 alien is even i would say like uh, uh, body snatchers is not not the thing i think the thing and alien Uh, are probably equal parts horror and sci-fi Arguably, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of hard sci-fi stuff in uh, in Alien as as well, but but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of hard sci-fi stuff in the thing too. It just depends on how yes. you're looking at it. it's um it's it dep- it's just like a different thing than what we usually are seeing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it it's kind of hard to to say there. It's it's on one hand, it seems kind of unfair to compare it with Body Snatchers because at the end of the day, I think the movie it's most indebted to is the original version of the thing with Howard mm. Hawks, and you know that that version of the of the thing is like they watch that in Halloween. We the the opening cre- the the opening title reveal is done very similarly in this one, and when we see the Norwegian camp videotape footage of them unearthing the the spacecraft, yeah. like that looks a lot like the Howard Hawks movie, and that movie is it's okay, it's fun, it's it's enjoyable for what it is. A lot more of that whiz bang fifties yeah. drive in kind of feeling to it. Yeah, so that that's where I feel like a lot of that is coming from ultimately yeah. with this. So and like this I, this this also you know struck me as as very much you know this is a this is a fifties B sci fi movie. It's it's just got you know a, a little little bit higher up shelf talent involved with it mm-hmm. who, who care about it and a little more money. 
and it's, 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 yeah yeah and, <laughs> like and i think it's, a, it's, i think a lot more money <laughs> um if yeah. you if you compare things you'll, you'll, but, you'll yeah, see the difference yeah. of money <laughs> yeah so there's there, there's that and it's it's certainly better executed but i don't i don't know that it really elevates it above that it's like this this is still you know like a a, a drive-in b sci-fi movie kind of a a movie just mm. just better Mm. I think this is like well, I think a lot of it's still a high concept movie. Yeah, and there are there are A grade movies that are high grade that are that are like that too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it transcends its B movie stuff because I think there's actually like a lot to really delve into. Because um, I also think there's like a big chunk about individualism in this as well. I think the they're really bad at working as a team for a while, <laughs> um, for a good reason. I mean, like they have mm-hmm. their points and. And part of the thing is like the thing is working on an individual level or is it, we don't know. And yep. so that's something that's, that's kind of being examined and thought about. It's like no one individual is going to save us out of this probably. And when they do team up, like we still don't know if one of them is infected or not. And so like that is kind of a, that's the kind of thing that can kind of keep you up at night. And, and of course there's, I feel like I have to say this, <laughs> especially because we've been talking about invasion of the body snatchers. Like you can't not look at the cold war stuff in this. I, I don't know if so Campbell's book came out in 1938 so it could have been there but I don't I don't necessarily think he was having some kind of anti-communist stuff going on here and I don't really think that's what's going on here either on purpose but it's definitely something that's in the subconscious of the original invasion of the body snatchers on, in either direction you can be like oh my my friends my friend is a communist and I didn't know it or or my friend is a nationalistic jerkwad and he's trying to kill me like <laughs> kind of thing it could go either way um, and I think that's a kind a similar reading you can put here on the thing but I I think that was a little too easy yeah yeah i i feel like this wasn't targeting any anything specific politically it's 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 more just about the the sense of distrust uh, it, itself i think it, and i think that's a political statement in and of itself yeah like, yeah I, I i agree yeah like i think that that's like i do think it has a specific political thing to say i just don't think it's necessarily about you know the cold war <laughs> yeah um as as would be like easy to think about i also and this is this might be a stretch, but I have seen some people who do some readings in on like the AIDS epidemic at the time, because I mean, this is 1982. We mm. still know very little about it. Um, and and that's a lot of that read goes into that blood test sequence. We're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. We're going to find out who's the thing. And that makes sense to me. I can see that reading. I, under, I understand that. And when you have a bunch of guys around and they're being in a threat together, like, you know, that does make you wonder about um, the homophobia of the time as well. So like that's, I don't know, it is a thought that's there. I'm not going to expound on that too much because there's people who have written way better articles than I could ever write about it. So like <laughs> if you're if you're into that, go check that out. Um, but I think, I do think it's a valid point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I guess when it comes to grades, for me, it's hard for me to... I don't know if this is Carpenter's best movie. Um, I really like Halloween. I think there's a lot of important things. I think this movie and Halloween may be both maybe just as influential, the two of them. Um, yeah. as they are and you know and I like other movies of his too but like it's those are his his big two that people are gonna be like yeah it's it's, it's those two um so I'm gonna like for me this is like a flat a there are there's very little that I would change I understand where Tim's coming from but it, all of that is like all of it works for me it hits checks all the Andrew boxes it's got deeper themes that I can look into and when we and actually I have one other thing to talk about it but when we get to what the two movies have in common, then I'll, I'll get into mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. So for, for me, this is uh, I'll, I'll say B plus. 
Mm. Most of what it does, I feel it does very well and and is pretty effective. And, and yeah, there there are some deeper things kind of kind of underneath there that it it's enough to make you start to think about at least a little bit. Yeah, Ennio Morricone's score is is fairly yeah. minimalist. Which He's the second build person in this, yeah. so he is like he it's uh, it's Kurt Russell is the first person named and then him. And then the editor, and then Rob Botten, the special effects guy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that tells you who the important people are on this movie. It, it really, really does. Yeah, it's it's effective. It's it's not overblown. It, it, it gives just the, the right amount of, of, uh, of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Nice, cold movie for a hot day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if you're into this kind of movie in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so we're going to jump ahead to August 2nd, 2002, the fifth film directed by M. Night Shyamalan, and that is... What can make geometric shapes the size of a football field? What kind of machine can bend a stock of corn over without breaking it? Can't be by hand. It's too perfect. So the aliens can't read our minds? Oh. Some animals around the county have been acting funny. Some of them violent. It's almost like they act when they smell a predator around. Amon, Nairobi, Bangalore, and Jerusalem as the Same shows on every station. Signs, starring Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, a very small Abigail Breslin, and one of the Culkin children. Rory Culkin. Okay, it is Rory Culkin then. Okay. It, is, it is Rory Culkin, youngest okay. of the Culkin brothers okay all right then so so uh give you some context on this this was after the sixth sense and unbreakable so this was the the third movie that people were very aware of m night Shyamalan at this point um he had been you know he had a couple of movies before that people forget exist um but yeah. uh this was when he started making m night movies so this is the third one of those and i remember i did see this in the theater and i i saw it twice in the theater and I'll, well I'll, I'll get to that in a bit so signs is about a former reverend who's a a widow a widowered former reverend who wakes up one day and finds out that there is a crop circle in his cornfield so he has the sheriff come by and they're like i have no idea what this is about And suddenly everywhere across the world is having these crop circles show up. And then suddenly there are flying saucers. Um, We're, for the most part, confined to the farmhouse. But they do go into town a couple of times. and pretty briefly. Pretty briefly. And we are kind of just seeing how this family is dealing with a invasion coming in um, on a macro level. And then a micro level when one of the aliens comes to their house. Mel Gibson's character actually meets one of these... Like, well, meets maybe the wrong word, but you know, encounters. Also has an, encounters, yeah, encounters one of them in the pantry of someone else's house at first. Mm-hmm. And he, this particular alien, shows up again. And they have a wild and terrible night where they eventually discover that water is not very friendly to these aliens. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's how they save the day, quote unquote. Um, so I guess this. This all takes place in maybe a little over a week, time-wise, maybe. Yeah, on, only a few days. It's it's yeah. not it's not a long span of time. Although there there are flashbacks. Mm-hmm. There's flashbacks to his his wife dying. There's flashbacks to to other things. But uh, yeah, for the most part, this is this is about a family uh, in a farmhouse 
dealing with aliens. Um, but that's not the only big thing going on, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I will say, having seen this, this is the first time I've seen it since it was in theaters. I saw it twice in theaters. The first time I saw it, I saw it with my sister somewhere, and then I saw it with my friends the second time, and when the jump scares were coming, I would turn around to look at the audience, and my friends got annoyed with me, because like, well, now we know something's coming. Um, <laughs> so, I had, so I had to stop. Yeah, so I was surprised at how well this held up. I did not expect a an M. Night movie, for one thing, to hold up particularly well. Um, no offense to the guy, but um, his yeah. other movie, his movie, his his output after this did had very much diminishing returns. So I was pleasantly surprised there, and uh, and yeah. So what re- what really works in this is I think the the family dynamic works really well. You kind of believe that this is a family that works. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is his brother who comes to help out because, well, his brother's wife died, so he wants to help out. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but and Abigail Breslin is actually very good at playing a little girl because she's like five at the time, but she definitely gives, she says things a five-year-old girl would say. And like, I rather appreciate that moment of in this crazy that is going on. That was a nice little added touch. I also think the examination of like loss of faith and things like that is also very fascinating. Yeah. He's taking something from an Ingmar Bergman movie and putting it into a Robert Wise movie. I find that very, I find that interesting to be super pretentious about it, but like, yeah, it's not, it's not something you usually see in in a science fiction in, in like what is basically a B movie for. Well. Um, like and and there there are again a B movie with like an A budget in this case so yeah, like yeah but there there are Robert Wise movies and there are Robert Wise movies mm-hmm. yeah Robert Wise also directed the Andromeda Strain for instance yeah uh-huh. yeah, yeah but yeah um so those those are sort of the 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 broad strokes of the the plot of of this movie I, I try but to not yeah it's, bog us it, down on that <laughs> yeah but it's um what the movie's really about is is dealing with grief and loss and and faith and it's like the the alien invasion is is all just sort of a, a backdrop for that mm-hmm. this is a guy having to kind of reckon with some stuff because there's some other things going on mm-hmm. and that's that's interesting yeah, yeah i agree and i i also hadn't seen this in a very long time i i saw it on television in in like 2003 so yeah mm-hmm. a, a little bit later didn't see it in the theater and i think i i had missed a very little bit at the at the beginning in the movie but okay, i i had seen nearly this this whole movie before it's okay and it does it it holds up really well it it all still works it's pretty isolated not a lot of locations not mm-hmm. a not really a lot of uh you know big expensive effects no, yeah, no. Yeah, when when you do finally see the 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 aliens, it's, yeah, most of that you, you can tell. This is apart from you know paying the actors. This is where they spent their money. Hmm. But it eh, twenty years later doesn't look so great. And at the time would have looked okay. You know, it, it enough to buy it. But I except for I don't think the Brazilian birthday <laughs> looks particularly great, um, and they're <laughs> and they're trying to cheat um, by making it wobbly, making it on a television and like a camcorder kind of footage, and like yeah, they, they yeah. try, but it still looks silly to me. It works still because because a Joaquin Phoenix buys into it, like the fact that he's like he, he's scared about it works for us too, and it has that good stinger, so like mm-hmm. it's a good jump scare, and it's not yeah. a like it's it's not I wouldn't call it a cheap jump scare, 
but it isn't exactly an expensive one either. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, so like, but for the most part, I think I think you're right. The um, with a, a handful of times when we see the the full body alien at the farmhouse, it doesn't look particularly great. But yeah, the, and the hand even, under the pantry that looks pretty scary. Yeah, and things like that. Yeah, and and even in the the big climax scene, they they kind of cheat a little bit where you, you that, don't yeah. really get clear views of, or very many of them. It's like, oh yeah, through through like a, a glass of water as as a lens and and all sorts of things that are going to kind of distort it. Mm-hmm, Plus, it's but... supposed to have these chameleon properties where it can sort of camouflage itself. You know, some mm-hmm. of that is okay, so you can can kind of buy this. This sort of looks like it might not actually be there. Well, that's sort of because it wasn't really there. Mm. It's, it's a CG creation. Mm-hmm. Creepy. Yeah, The I wish the poisonous gas thing was talked about earlier. It seems like a random extra thing suddenly. But um, I don't know. The, the only things that really don't really work for me is uh, is, is Rory Culkin is one of the, is this a children's trope that I find tiresome now. And that is like the eight-year-old going on 30. Um, at the same time, though, it does serve the plot. It isn't like it's just there to be there and but that's that's more of a andrew is tired of seeing this kind of thing it isn't necessarily like a thing that's bad for the movie per se yeah yeah i i get that i feel like it works in the movie but i can can certainly see how it would be a little grating it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's it's been done It, it works in context here i think Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The and yes, the special effects could look better, but eh, 2002. Um, it, it's only like it's it's really weird when we compare it to like 1982 and how well those are still working and these mm-hmm. look like 2002. So th- that that's the only that's that's a particularly funny thing about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the uh the deeper themes of it I think work really well, especially when we look at you know the feelings of grief and loss of faith and you know the reckoning of that. I actually kind of like the little the little speech that Mel Gibson gives to Joaquin Phoenix. When, when Joaquin asks for comfort. Mm-hmm. People break down into two groups. When they experience something lucky, group number one sees it as more than luck, more than coincidence. They see it as a sign, evidence that there is someone up there watching out for them. Group number two sees it as just pure luck happy turn of chance i'm sure the people in group number two are looking at those 14 lights in a very suspicious way for them this situation is a 50 50. could be bad could be good but deep down they feel that whatever happens they're on their own and that fills them with fear that scene really works still. But there was a, another big theme that I like the Cold War thing. I'm not sure if it was on purpose or not, or if it's just there because it's out there in the ether. But I couldn't help but think of 9-11 watching this. And a lot of that is how people are glued to their TVs and how they're trying to like figure out what's going on. And it's hard for them to find out what's going on and, and things yeah. like that. So I, could, I couldn't help but think of that this time. I don't... I don't have like any like big in-depth analysis about that because I didn't really I wasn't able to really to take the time, but I think I do think there's probably something there that maybe other people have caught on to before. I was just wondering if you thought that too. Yeah, I didn't think of it in the moment while I was watching it recently, but I mean it was it was really really close to that 
mm-hmm. you know, when, when it was released and, and yeah, it's not even a year later. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, of, of course there was that context, you know, whether, you know, he was thinking of that when he made the movie, like I, I, we, we'd have to look, you know, when, when was production actually happening on this mm-hmm. versus when it was released, you know, what, what was the lag time there? Mm-hmm. I don't imagine it was much because you know, again, small cast, not a lot of locations and then budget and all of that. But yeah, it, it would have been impossible for you know contemporary audiences to not have that baggage going into this movie. Well, and it would have been impossible yeah. for him to not have that baggage as yeah. a filmmaker, depending on when he was making it. So yeah, absolutely. Like I, I um, doubt the script was written with that in mind, but it probably came up during production. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that could have been something that happened on set or not, or, or not. I mean, like it's, yeah, still, that could have just been serendipitous. Yeah. yeah. I still think, yeah, I don't know if that's the word I would use for this, but uh, serendipitous always has kind of a positive context well Um, yeah uh, an an odd bit of synchronicity then okay yeah (laughs) yeah there we go but yeah the uh the smallness of it i find it actually very interesting um like unlike unlike body snatchers but like the thing they they both have this kind of like but unlike the thing this is a micro version and a macro thing Mm -hmm. so this is how one person is dealing with this big thing that is also happening and so that's like, I, I think that that's actually, I think that's the best way to focus on this because, uh, or at least with this particular story, because in something like War of the Worlds where we have, and, and I mean the George Powell version more, um, I haven't seen the Tom Cruise one, but the the going around from place to place thing does, it makes the scope bigger and it very much works for that story. But I do think having it focus on like a small family and how it's affecting them kind of gives it a ring of authenticity that maybe isn't in larger scale things yeah maybe i don't know that's just a that's just a thought i had when i was watching it another thing i found kind of remarkable is that this becomes a much more optimistic film as it progresses because it starts out at such a pessimistic place yeah and, uh, which is which is also really interesting when you compare it to our other movie which is you know pretty pessimistic yeah well. goes goes very much the other way <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, i also think this also has a big theme of paranoia as well in, in a different way um i think part of it comes from the small town thing mm-hmm. yeah it's like i love i love how you can't leave the church in a small town that's always going to be a thing forced on you and then like to add to this this issue that's on there too more people are coming to you and so you're having to feed off their paranoia and then you have your own paranoia going on with it and so this is so it's kind of like this feedback loop, but it's not a mistrust paranoia like like uh, body snatchers or or the thing. It's a paranoia of of, a, of an outside force, yeah. and that's you know that's relatable. Like that's I get that. Yeah. Oh, the fun little thing. Michael Showalter is in this movie randomly for just one scene. He is the director of The Big Sick. Hmm. He's also in um, Wet Hot American Summer. He's kind of like an alternative comedy guy. Um, but I was like, hey, I know that guy. Um, <laughs> that was just like a sudden like, oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, so have you heard? There is a fan theory um, that I'm not 100% sure if it works, but there's a fan theory that they're not aliens, that they're actually demons. And that uh, the reason why water works is because it's like holy water. And like this is like adding in the whole like him being a reverend thing. And I, I find that interesting. I don't really buy it, but I do I do find it interesting. This apparently also ties into another M. Night Shyamalan movie as well. Um, hmm. But that's, I don't know, I don't 100% buy it, but it is an interesting little curio thing if folks want to check that out. Yeah, I uh, I don't know that I'd buy that either. That's that's an interesting thing to, to think about. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that that really quite works. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's too much else going on and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, yeah. there there are enough 
enough you know solid reasons to believe it's in the context of the movie these these are aliens from a distant world Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to grades, um, so this is the first time I've seen this in about 20 years now. And yep. I was surprised at how well it held up. Um, I was actually very impressed at how well it held up. It doesn't really have the twist kind of thing that M. Night is famous for. And I actually think that's a good, that's a good thing. It still has maybe a gimmick kind of thing to it. But yeah. the water thing, I don't really see so much as a twist. If, if it's a twist, it's like a twist that the aliens are susceptible to our germs in War of the Worlds. <laughs> like, it's just a, a thing that happens. Uh, for me, I'm going to give this like a flat B. Surprisingly rewatchable, works very well, very effective, and um, and yeah. Uh, one little thing I found really funny is somehow that teenage girl knew that she used the word douchebag 34 times. Yeah, there, there were some some interesting little... Uh sort of sort of one-off comedy bits in this movie mm-hmm. that, that that was one of them there there are scenes where uh mel gibson walks in and discovers oh my entire family is is just sitting there with tinfoil hats on yeah and, and and it's it's just a you know straight shot nothing else happening just sits there and looking mm-hmm. at them with with tinfoil hats on it's like mm-hmm. it is yeah. a it is a levity there's still funny moments in the thing but um, yeah the but uh, not yeah those not those like are more in, in sort of the, the the dark you know meta humor you know body mm-hmm. count kind of kind of way as opposed to being deliberately funny when he says the line when the thing head scurries away like i mean yes yes exactly mm-hmm so yeah, I, I agree with you. There's not a twist in the same way as uh, as a lot of his other films. Mm. If if anything, the the twist and if if it is a twist, isn't really about the water. It's it's a it's about how all these these other things that happened in the past sort of converge to to make this one moment happen, and and that's mm-hmm. that's sort of this this miracle where where they all survive and 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 then are okay at the end. And and I and I wouldn't call that a twist either. That that's yeah, serendipity. Like yeah, that, that's what yeah, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as far as a grade, this, this also gets a B plus for me because I, I was skeptical, you know, when this, for this movie was first coming out and, and there was all the promotional stuff. It's like this, this looks like, a, Oh, it's going to be this, this spooky thing. Like, is, is this going to work at all? And because there is some of that, that deeper emotional resonance there and, and that's what it's really about. And it, it, it's not shy of about that at all. This movie works a lot better than I expected and, and still holds up in those respects. Um, this is, this is still not, you know, like top shelf stuff for me, but it's, it's a solid watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to rewatch this probably before I'd watch any of his other movies. And maybe <laughs> so, well, maybe the, I kind of enjoyed the visit for what it was, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, things that I noticed that some things, sorry. Um some things that I noticed that are that are in both movies, um <laughs> dead dogs. So these are these are not movies for dog lovers. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, there there is that. Yeah. Uh so yeah, they are generally lo- one location. They both have the paranoia thing going on. The other, you know, big thing that I noticed was it's Okay, so here's the thing. Whenever you watch a movie like this, whenever a movie like The Thing or like Glengarry Glen Ross or um, old westerns, like when there is a, pres- a and actually to another extent signs, when there is a noted lack of femininity, the film is making a comment on masculinity in some manner. And The Thing, I think, actually puts a lot of work into examining masculinity. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that John Carpenter was a big Western guy. Um, I mean, one of his first big movies is a remake of a Western. So he Mm -hmm. uh, was Rio Bravo. And so I think that this is, I I think that The Thing is very much looking at how 
like how men operate with each other and how there's a different how that informs mistrust differently and how a guy who you know at the end of the day kurt russell is our hero but he still has a lot more toxic masculine qualities yeah. that maybe save the day in this moment but we but it still doesn't necessarily save the day because like at, at the end of it we don't know if he if he won or not i mean like the fact that and i'm not going to call the movie misogynistic but there is something to be said about him pouring whiskey into the only female coated thing <laughs> in in the whole film <laughs> i mean voiced by adrian barbeau but um like yeah, there, there's there's yeah. like it's hard not to question but I, I i don't think it's a a misogynistic movie um but i do think that there's a comment being made there about how men work with each other how they'll mistrust each other how they'll be in competition with each other sometimes and how they have this how they can and i'm using this especially this is specifically a 1980s version of masculinity um I, we have definitely gotten better since then but i mean mm. still figuring some stuff out y'all um yeah yep. and so i'm not saying this is about all men but too many men and I think the thing is examining that. And that's one of those big layers that I always, I get something new out of it every time I watch it. Like the fact that they kind of feminize the dog guy to an extent, because he's, he has more of a caretaker role in that yeah, group and yeah, things like and he's, that. Like, he's, he's got empathy for, for something other than himself. Yeah. And I, and he's kind of punished for that in a lot, in, in certain ways. And then there's, and I'd also think there's probably like a race thing going on there too. So there's, I think that there's a lot of stuff to look at there. And I think that there's also a similar thing about masculinity being said in signs in the fact that this is a widower who has his brother come to help him raise his, his children. And this is, you know, traditionally not something we see men do. That's the thing that's happening more and more today, which is great. But even back in 2002, it was still a rare thing. Mm -hmm. and i think and but and we also get to juxtapose that where we have the sheriff is a woman who and that is a traditionally masculine role so i think that there's also something else being examined and looked at there maybe not in a particularly large microscope but i still think that there's something being said there and there's still a theme to masculinity in both films that i think is you know worth examining and taking a look at yeah and uh and also you know the the character uh that, that mel gibson plays you know what that character goes through and and sort of where he goes without the influence of his wife mm -hmm. yeah i mean like that's like and that adds to his lostness as well yeah. which yeah. is also a commentary on on masculinity on its own as well is that men aren't allowed to process those kinds of emotions generally like ever <laughs> um like this is the only the only emotion men are allowed to have is anger and that's what happens in the thing and that's a thing that's a problem there mm -hmm. whereas here he's uh he instead of going angry he goes sad and that makes it even like how so for a while there i th i think it was jason reitman who was doing this um jason reitman would host these script reads where he would have people come in like big celebrities read big famous scripts like he did Glenn Gary Glenn Ross with an all-female cast and I'm curious what the thing would be like with an all-female cast as a and I don't need like a full movie I'm not like I don't need like like and I know there'd be a bunch of people like oh my god it's just Ghostbusters and all those guys are jerks <laughs> I'm leaving that in um, <laughs> but um the uh, but like I'm curious what that looks like it's a vastly different film it's a vastly different kind of thing because of just how like, especially in a 1982 sense what gender would look like then like I'm just curious what that would look like thankfully I think we've kind of like we're moving beyond these things but it's still something that's there and yeah. like Science is a very different movie if it's a pastor's wife who has to do this and her sister comes 
like that that's a very different movie as well and like and might be just as fascinating of a film ultimately yeah yeah i uh, i agree yeah. I, I i i wish i had more to add on on that point <laughs> but i i really don't yeah sorry this is like that's um that's always a thing like whenever whenever you're looking at something that has a a surprising lack of femininity always assume that there's some comment being made about masculinity to an extent um it seems yeah. weird to be assuming something but i generally think that is often the case at least nowadays maybe not in old hollywood times but i i it, if if anything it makes for a more interesting film each time <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah carpenter may or may not have been deliberate about that i'm pretty sure he was deliberate about it and even then it doesn't like we can't get into that intentional fallacy thing it's um it yeah. all that matters the impact of like how it gets yeah. to me the viewer so exactly. but i'm i'm like 99 sure he did that on purpose yeah but but whether he did or not it, mm. you can can easily take something away from it given that that just that little bit of context outside of the film itself totally all right so i do have uh, some follow-up questions for you given that these are both science fiction horror films i wanted to ask what were the best scares for each movie for you uh, uh the, the the best best scares um honestly the uh, the first real scare in the in the thing where um you know the in in the kennel with the dogs oh yeah there there's there's a little bit before that but it doesn't mm -hmm. take long until the movie gets there yeah and and after that you know it's like okay yeah i i know kind of what to expect now and and everything else is like yep no, in the no. kennel with, with 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 the dogs first uh first big scare really in the movie is yeah. is the one for me okay for the thing i think it's as as even though i say it doesn't look very you know it looks like a prop that defibrillator scene does usually does get me pretty much every time even though i've seen that movie a bunch uh that somehow doesn't like really get to me like um wilford brimley putting his fingers into that guy's face like at the end of the movie <laughs> just mm, yeah it is just so gross <laughs> it just gives me the worst case of the willies every time <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> Um, like maybe that's not so much like scary or like maybe not so much like like frightening as it is like just a kind of revulsion but still like that one always gets me every time yeah yeah what about signs so uh signs probably in uh in in the scene just bit before the climax so there's 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 the there's the dark night when when the invasion when really hits when they're in when, the basement the, yeah when when they're in the basement and uh and the the little boy is next to the coal chute and, yeah. and gets 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 grabbed and mm -hmm. you know not not snatched not pulled up the chute but but Just grabbed, grabbed so, yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's kind of a jump scare but it was a really effective one mm -hmm. totally yeah they, they 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 set it up so it's like you 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 know it's coming anybody who's seen any movie with any kind of scares ever knows that's coming but it still worked mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's for me the one that that gets me every time even though i know it's coming even though it's kind of cheap um it's the pantry one <laughs> um mm, with, yeah. uh, with the hand. like i know like the next time he goes over there there's going to be something scary i know mm -hmm. it every time i knew it the first time i saw it and it still yep. gets me every time but, yeah. yeah yeah that I, I agree that one's also really effective so yep Cool. All right. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's these two. Um, they actually paired really well with each other. I think they paired the best so far of the, of the three different pairs we've done. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I tend to agree there. Yeah. There are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of differences too, but maybe not, oh, yeah. not quite the, uh, the differences from, uh, from our previous episode. Yeah. Definitely more in common than like Kong yeah. Batman, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and that's all right, because our next pairing is has a lot in common. They're both based off the works of Philip K. Philip Dick. K. Dick. 
Yeah, so we will be discussing Blade Runner and Minority Report. And for, just to make life easier on all of us, we're going to be watching the final cut of Blade Runner, which is technically not what was, re what was released in 1982, but it's the easiest one to get a hold of. So, yep. yeah, you can get a hold of that 1982 one, but it takes considerably more effort than to get the final cut, so. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 out there. A lot of the, the, uh, the physical releases in the last little bit have included every version of the movie so those those are out there but you know streaming is is more common and certainly lower friction for the most part so yeah so we're going to be doing that and uh yes look for that pretty soon all right but for now that's our show thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next time bye bye what's the matter there's a monster outside my room can i have a glass of water what's wrong with the water next to your bed it tastes old